Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. So glad that you're here. What am I saying? Pastor Brian and send their love. They're on a well-deserved break, so uh, they're having a good time. I'm trying to make sure they don't come back to church early because Pastor Brian loves you guys so much. But we want them to come back refreshed, ready for another year, don't we? I'm going to read this morning, this evening, sorry, not this morning, from, maybe I needed the holiday, from Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It's a very well-known passage, but I want to come at it from a different angle, so stay tuned. I'm going to read it as normal, and then I want to take a look from a total different perspective that I've only recently found as I've been reading through Acts at the moment. Now, Peter and John went, to the, went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid at the temple gate, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of those who entered the temple. Verse 3. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Who's ever experienced a moment like that? like that anticipation. We do this with Jethro all the time. Anytime we give him a present, I think we just love the excitement that our son is five, Jethro, that he gets that we do this, don't we, babe, all the time. We're like, sit down, close your eyes, open your hands. And he's like, he'll be sitting on the couch and he's like, he's got his eyes closed, but he's like just beaming with excitement because whatever we're about to get him, sometimes it's something awesome. Sometimes it's not so awesome, but he's still so excited as a kid. You know, it doesn't matter. Like, that's what I feel like this moment is this guy is literally in the lamest situation. That's a joke. Lamest situation, he's lame from birth, that's what the Bible says, and he's stuck there, no way out, no possible way out, and this guy says, look at us. Maybe he thought that he was about to give him a large sum of money, maybe he thought that it was going to be enough that he never had to beg again, and it was enough that he never had to beg again, but it wasn't a financial incentive. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I, give, what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging for arms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Cool story, eh? Peter then, in Acts, it goes like this. Peter and John go into the temple. They preach after this awesome miracle. They get arrested. And then it goes into chapter 4, and this is the bit that I want to base my whole message on, one verse in chapter 4, 22, they go back and they reference this guy again, and it's really, really cool. I've never seen this until recently. I've never noticed it. Acts four twenty-two. this is what it says. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. It was one of those moments where I'm lying in bed reading my Bible, and it's like, I just scribble a big question mark. I don't know if your Bible's like that, but mine has a lot of question marks in it. 
I read something like, what? Question mark. Sometimes I come back to it. Sometimes I don't know the answer. Sometimes I find an answer. Sometimes I'm still finding, looking for an answer. Sometimes. But, but I think it's good for us to ask the question, why, rather than read on to the next passage and start and go, Holy Spirit, speak to us. 40 years. Why was it so important to write that? Why was this so important to note? My, I guess my message tonight is an explanation of why I think this 40 years is so important in this miracle story. I'm going to hit it from a few things. I'm going to hit it physically. Why is it important? Culturally, spiritually, and contextually. Are you ready? First of all, physically, why is this important? Well, the author of Acts is Luke. Luke is a Gentile physician. So Dr. Luke, author of Acts, he also before that wrote the book of John. Close. Luke wrote the book of Luke, and then he wrote Acts. I remember when I did Bible college, they'd call it Luke Acts because it was part one, part two. He wrote these two. That rhymes. But he was a physician, so maybe because he was a doctor, maybe that's why it caused him to ask the thing, how long has he been in that condition? I feel like sometimes we go to the doctors like that, don't we? Oh, I've got a sore wrist. Oh, yeah, how long have you been experiencing this? Maybe it was his doctor training that caused him to ask this question or to be interested in that. Sometimes our profession or our experiences cause us to ask specific questions. Have you noticed this in your own life? I notice this every time in church. Like, like I'm the worst. Like, I'm trying to, you know, worship God. Or I'm trying to pay attention and my brain's going everywhere. I'm like, what's that light doing over there? Why is there a coffee cup there? Why are these cables like... There's like three cables not being used on stage. What's going on here? Is the aircon good? What's going on there? Is there too much haze in the room? When I sit on that side, it looks like it's coming out during the preaching. Like, my brain just goes everywhere. It's like a billion questions going on in my mind because I've been trained to think like that. Because if I don't, I hear about it from Pastor Bonin. <laughs> it's all right. He attended church this morning online, so he won't listen to this one. No, I'm just joking. But you know what I'm saying? Sometimes our experiences or our training cause us to see things a certain way. I remember when I started my apprenticeship, it was like, for the first time ever, I noticed lights. Like, every room I walked in, oh, what lights are in here? Well, oh, what brand of PowerPoint are they? Oh, yeah, cool, cool, cool. I remember then when I finished my apprenticeship and I became a shift electrician, and that was sort of, there was just one, one sparky, one electrician on each shift, and we were sort of the breakdown crew. So your job was anything electrical in that sugar mill was your responsibility to fix for eight hours a day. And it was a bit of a, I don't know, I kind of got thrown in the deep end as, you know, straight out of my apprenticeship. They rushed me to finish it so I could be shift because the crush was starting. If you know, there's a, sort of a season where they crush the cane or cut and crush the cane and turn it into sugar. And so I got thrown in the deep end. I'm the shift electrician. I know nothing. Like... <laughs> I've just finished my apprenticeship, and the whole time in apprenticeship, I thought I knew everything. Then all of a sudden, you're the man, and <laughs> you're the one looking to him like, oh, no, I know nothing. <laughs> I was smart amongst the other apprentices, but then amongst the tradesmen, I'm like, oh, awkward. I just have to fake my way through this. And, but, but it taught me to ask specific questions. I remember one time I went down to get a call on the two-way, you know. Oh, you know, the conveyor belt stopped going, you know, the, from the fugal operator. So I go over to the fugals. I'm trying to not explain too much because it'll take forever to tell the story, all right? And he's like, oh, the bell won't stop. I need you to reset it quick. And I'm like, oh, okay, um, what happened? He's like, no, I just need it going, man. I've got to dump this sugar that I've got in the fugles needs to go up that belt. It's not going, I just need you to go and reset it right now. And I'm like, oh, but, but what happened? Like, is there a reason? Like, I'm trying to, like, do some investigation because that's what my job taught me 
today. Why? And he's like, and so I go to look at the belt to have a look at it before I go to reset. And he's like, Caleb, Caleb, no, it's not fed from there. The switch room's over here. Just go reset it. Do whatever you do. Get it going. I need it going now because I need to dump the sugar in. I don't listen to him. I ignore him because I wanted to check out what I was doing. And I go look at the belt and there's like, seriously, like a mountain of sugar, like on this belt. Man, if I was that conveyor belt, I would stop too. Like, it's like, it's just completely, like, you can't see half the belt because I'm talking a mountain of sugar. I'm like, well, that's probably why the belt's not going. And then we talked to him, then we ended up having to shovel it, you know, all off the belt and get it going. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that my experience or my training taught me to ask the question, what has changed? Or what happened? Or how did we get here? I wonder if that was similar to Luke or Dr. Luke. How did you get here? How long had you been suffering this Condition in Peter's experience, it caused him to ask, how long have you been suffering from this condition? Maybe the first step tonight is simply asking ourselves the question, how long have we been stuck in this place? How long have I been repeating these same issues? How long have I been sitting here hopeless? How long will I continue to be stuck here if nothing happens? We see a bit of a precedence of this in, with Luke's writing, in Luke, Luke, Luke 8, 43, the woman he notes had an issue of blood for 12 years. A little bit later in Acts, in chapter 9, it says that Ananias had been bedridden for eight years. In Acts 14, a crippled man from his mother's womb, Luke seemed to do this thing where he noticed how long people had been stuck in their condition. So Luke records that this man had been lame for 40 years. It's a big deal. It had been his whole life. It was all he knew. And society told him that this was his lot for life. This was a massive miracle. Maybe Dr. Luke said 40 years because simply it made it harder if he hadn't walked for his whole life. Think about it. He wasn't in a speeding chariot accident and a car like he wasn't just some teenager on his pee plates and you know he had a crash and then you know the swelling had to go down before he could walk again he had never walked ever think about his limbs where his legs developed properly he had no balance he had no muscle tone there was nothing there was no way that this guy was walking maybe that's why Luke said this is a massive miracle because it was 40 years I love how he was walking leaping and praising God straight after one of the reasons Luke notes 40 years because physically this is a massive miracle and it's completely life-changing for this man. What about culturally? Why, why is 40 years important culturally? Well, 40 years makes this guy an elder. It makes him a credible witness. First of all, he was male. All the males say amen. I'm getting myself in trouble here. But deliberately... Because sometimes we think that the Bible or that God is sexist, but it's totally not. Humanity was. History was. Not, not God. And so this man was a credible witness. We see examples of this in Scripture. I'm just digressing, but on the sexist thing, God is totally not sexist, not at all. Think of when he is risen from the tomb and the two people that go there culturally were women. Two Marys nobody gave a rip. They weren't credible witnesses because society told them that they're a woman. They weren't allowed to be witness in the day. So what does God do? 
The first two people to see a risen Christ were women, that their testimony meant nothing in the time, yet today it means everything to us. God has never been sexist. But culturally, 40 years made him an elder. It made him worth listening to. Think of it. It made him a credible witness. Maybe the seasons that you've, been go- you've gone through in your life makes you a credible witness. Maybe those long seasons where it's felt tough and it's like, God, is this ever going to end? God, why have you brought me this way? Why am I going the long way around? Maybe God's making us a credible witness for him. Your experiences, your challenges, over time makes us a more credible witness. The other crazy thing culturally is this, is that the start of this man's healing was the end of his livelihood. He was a beggar. That was his job. How crazy is it that sometimes our healing or our breakthrough is more daunting than we think? I know for a fact there's times in my life where it's like God's sort of called Kim and I to make big faith steps or to go into something or breakthrough comes and it's like, oh, this is a lot harder than I thought, God. <laughs> maybe, I, <laughs> maybe I was more comfortable before the breakthrough. Maybe I was more comfortable then. Now he, now his livelihood was gone. He was a beggar, but now he had to provide for himself. Because people don't give <laughs> a no longer lame man arms when they go to the temple. What happened when healing is daunting? What happens when breakthrough is uncomfortable? Culturally, maybe 40-year-old made this guy a more credible witness. Spiritually, there's another example that's similar to this and I want to pick it up. I shared briefly on this last time I preached, but in John 9, 1 to 3, it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. So I just want to focus this on birth for a moment here. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Which is funny because how did this man sin if he was born blind? Like, when, when did he have an opportunity to sin? That he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. You see, spiritually, this was worth noting that it was 40 years, it was his whole life, and it was from birth because there was a culture, there was a spiritual implication or a spiritual uh, theology at the time that if someone was born with a condition, then it was a generational sin issue which makes this guy seriously in the lamest situation in the world. Seriously. Like, he is so stuck. First of all, he has to do a Horatio Cain. He has to do this massive investigation, like CSI, like you've seen. Horatio Cain, if anyone knows what I'm talking about. This massive investigation to go through his family tree to work out who sinned so that I would be born (laughs) lame, that I couldn't... Who sinned? He has to do this whole thing, and then... The system of the day was then, if someone had sinned, what was the price for sin? Well, they had a whole sacrificial system. So so depending on what, who did what, he had to investigate that, and then he had to pay the price, he had to pay this sacrificial system for the sin that was committed, but he can't afford it because he's a beggar. What what a lame situation to be in. Spiritually, this guy is stuck. Do we believe I don't believe that for a sec. I don't believe in generational sin causing people to be born with deformities. Do you? 
And until very recently, in their spiritual understanding, the sin issue had not been solved. But this is the, the starting of Acts. You've got to understand where this is in the time frame. Jesus had come to earth in flesh, walked around tempted as we are, let humanity crucify part of the Creator so that more of the humanity could believe that maybe their sin isn't holding them back anymore. Fulfilling all law and the prophets so that we could know that our sin isn't the issue. Then in the start of Acts, Jesus, he, sorry, he dies on the cross at the end of the Gospels and then he raises again, remember? Mary, the two Marys go to the tomb and then the start of Acts, he's ascended into heaven. This is just after that. But, but there's something deeper going on. It wasn't just who sinned. It was this man's faith journey because of this. Jesus had entered this temple multiple times. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Jesus had walked past this man. He goes and begs there every day and Jesus had walked past him. And this guy didn't have the faith. So everyone that cried out to Jesus seemed to receive a miracle in the Gospels, but this man sat there because he had accepted his lame situation. This was his lot in life. Until Peter and John go, hey, no, 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 wait a minute. It's not who sinned. It's not that you can't afford the temple system. Maybe that's why Jesus, this gives me more context to why Jesus ran, ran to the temple and turned the tables. Because it excluded people that couldn't afford to pay the sacrifice for the condition that they were stuck in. The system was flawed and people were profiting off it. But this man is stuck and and it wasn't until Peter and John said, no, 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 wait up. Here's some of my faith. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who's risen and ascended into heaven. And this guy's like, what? Are you telling me that I don't need to pay for a dove or an animal anymore, but I can actually have freedom? I don't need to do this massive detective investigation to work out who sinned, but I can receive something today? Yes. That is what we're saying. This man was stuck for a sin he didn't commit in a sacrificial system that he couldn't afford. He was a beggar. No wonder why Jesus turned the tables and disrupted the temple system spiritually from birth. This 40 years was incredible. What about contextually elsewhere in the Bible? Where's 40 years in the Bible? I know 40 shows up a lot. 40 days more than 40 years. Then we know what I'm talking about? Heaps of 40 days. The flood. What are some other ones? I haven't even written them down. Jesus tempted Like there's lots of 40 days. It shows up a lot. I've done a bit of research on this for a previous message that I preached. And some authors are really interesting in their take on this. Some of the theologians, they just think that they translate 40 days as a long time. Like what? (laughs) Others go into the whole biblical uh, sort of numbers thing and, and they go, no, no, it's this times this. And I believe in that. But I think that 40 is divisible by a lot of numbers. (laughs) <laughs> so for us to pick which one and which situation is beyond me and out of my expertise at the moment. But you know what 40 years is that I find? 40 years is a lifetime. Have a look in Joshua 5. You know the story. Ch- uh, chapter 5, verse 6. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died. For they disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed he would not let them enter the land he had sworn to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. 
What's the story here? I'll tell you the story. Caleb, the legend. And his mate, Josh, go to spot the land that God had promised them. They come back with a good report. The people didn't believe them. They listened to the 10 bad reports. <laughs> because they didn't have the faith in the time they waited 40 years, a whole generation to die out before they could walk into the promises that God had for them. Maybe it was 40 years because he'd been waiting for a lifetime for this. And he had to die to his identity of a lame man at the beautiful gate. (laughs) What do we have to die to so that we can walk into the freedom that he has for us? Maybe you can't hold on to a beggar mentality and be a provider for your family. Maybe you can't hold on to that disability tag and walk in the freedom that God has for us. What is it in your situation Maybe you can't have both. He'd been waiting a long time for this, but he'd saw a crucified Christ. He was born once into sin, but he was born again into Jesus. In John 3, 3, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This guy got a redo. He got a fresh start. He'd spent his whole life being the lame guy, but he had a fresh start. What about you? What have we become so familiar with that we've actually said, no, 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 maybe that's my lot in life? What do we once find what do we find comfortable now that we once were indignant about? Where are we sitting when we could be leaping and praising God? Will we stay in our stuck situation? I don't want to. I don't want to. I see enough precedents in the context of the Bible to have faith for myself, but also for you to have faith for yourself. And along the way, to rely on other people's faith, like Peter and John, who stretched out their faith to this man and pulled him out of his situation. What about us? (laughs) There are moments when all of us are the lame guy, sitting outside, wondering what it's like to go in, wondering what it's like to experience what those guys are experiencing, wonder what it's like to be in or be a part or not be that Stigma, to have that stigma or that label. That's us some of the times. Amen. But other times, we're the Peter or John. And so many times we're in a hurry and we're just rushing past the person that needs us or the person that God's put on our path. And we're just rushing by and and that's our opportunity where that person needs our faith. Because maybe theirs isn't enough to believe that there's hope for their situation. And that's our job is to reach out and get, hey, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. This message was never supposed to be simply for us. This lame guy, what did he do then? He went and praised God, but you know what? Like I'd been talking about, he was the best witness you'd ever seen. Because it's been a lifetime, broken. He was older, so he was a credible source. He'd seen Jesus, Peter and John. 
but what about you? If this message stays here, it's achieved nothing. (laughs) But it's when we go out. It's when we be the Peter and John. It's totally cool to be the lame guy, but that's a season and seasons in our life. And seasons cannot and do not last forever. They change. And if you want an out, there's one here tonight. Let's pray. God, I pray over every person in this place right now. God, I even pray for those that are listening to this podcast later on. And God, I just pray right now, God, if, if we find ourselves stuck, God, if we feel or if we identify with the lame guy in this, in this story, that we have no hope and no expectation and, and, and we may have even lost our desire to find a way out of this place or this trouble, or this trial, or this season that we find ourselves in, God, right now I pray for that living hope that we sung about tonight. God, I pray for faith to increase. God, I just pray right now, God, that you would give us a way out in Jesus' name. God, I thank you, Lord, that your healing power flows. I thank you that your restorative power flows. I thank you, you're the God that paid the price for sin and it's no longer the issue. So God, right now, I call out the lame man inside of all of us. I call out the lame person on the inside of us. God, I call out the beggar and say, no, 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 no longer are you gonna be that sick, lame person but there's freedom available in Jesus' name. And God, right now, I commission those that are listening right now and those that agree with this message. And God, I commission us to be the Peter and the John. God, I commission us to be the ministers of your message. God, that our life experiences, that our challenges, our trials, our ups and downs and our journey hasn't been wasted, but God, it makes us a more credible witness. And God, I pray that we wouldn't be in too much of a rush, that we would miss the opportunities and the people that you bring along our way. God, show us those that we need to extend our faith to, to help them out of their situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One last thing I want to do. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe this isn't really normal Sunday for you and you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, I just want to extend an invitation for you to do that tonight. There's nothing special. We pray a prayer because we want to mark it in the calendar to remember the day that our lives change. But the specific prayer is important. What is important is saying, yeah, God, that's me. I want to live for you afresh. Maybe I've been living my life my own way, but from this day forward, I want to live with you. If that's you, what I'm going to ask you to do is just raise your hand That's simply so that we can identify you to talk to you after the service. That's it. So that we can help resource you for the journey that's ahead. So are you here tonight? If that's you, just give me a wave. I really don't want to embarrass you, but I want to know who you are so our team can catch you after the service. Is that you? Cool. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming, guys. I'm going to hand you over to Pastor Caleb. Why don't you come, mate?